Elton Trueblood. Introduction It is a wonder to me how God uses squiggles on paper to do His work in the hearts and minds of people. How are these squiggles transformed into letters and words and sentences, and finally meaning? Oh, we may congratulate ourselves on knowing a little about the function of neurotransmitters in the brain, or about how endorphin proteins affect learning and memory retention, but if we are honest, we know that thinking itself is a mystery. Doxology is the only appropriate response. At this writing, it has been two decades since this particular set of squiggles, Celebration of Discipline, was first published. After the first decade, the publisher, no doubt puzzled by its longevity and popularity, wanted to celebrate this milestone and asked me to revise the original text, which I was glad to do. And now, after a second decade, the puzzle continues. Somehow, who can ever explain how, people continue to find help in their daily walk with God through the pages of this book. To celebrate this 20th anniversary, the publisher has asked me to write an introduction, and again I am glad to comply. And perhaps in fulfilling their request, it is appropriate to tell how the book you hold in your hands came into being. Spiritual Bankruptcy Fresh out of seminary, I was ready to conquer the world. My first appointment was a small church in a thriving region of Southern California. Here, I mused, is my chance to show the denominational leadership, nay, the whole world, what I can do. Believe me, visions of far more than sugar plums were dancing in my head. I was sobered a bit when the former pastor, upon learning of my appointment, put his arm on my shoulder and said, Well, Foster, it's your turn to be in the desert but the sobering lasted only a moment. This church will become a shining light set on a hill. The people will literally flood in. This I thought, and this I believed. After three months or so, I had given that tiny congregation everything I knew, and then some, and it had done them no good. I had nothing left to give. I was spiritually bankrupt, and I knew it. So much for a shining light on a hill. My problem was more than having something to say from Sunday to Sunday. My problem was that what I did say had no power to help people. I had no substance, no depth. The people were starving for a word from God, and I had nothing to give them. Nothing. Three Converging Influences In the wisdom of God, however, three influences were converging in that little church that would change the direction of my ministry, indeed, of my whole life. Together, they would provide the depth and the substance I needed personally, and the depth and the substance that in time would lead to the penning of celebration. But that is running ahead of my story. The first thing to happen was precipitated by an influx of genuinely needy people into our small congregation. They simply flowed in like streams after a thunderstorm. Oh, how they hungered for spiritual substance, and oh, how willing they were to do almost anything to find it. These were the cast-offs of today's fast-track culture, the sat-upon, spat-upon, ratted-on, and so their neediness was quite obvious. Just as obvious was my inability to give them substantive pastoral care. This lack of any real spiritual density led me almost instinctively to the devotional masters of the Christian faith, Augustine of Hippo and Francis of Assisi and Julian of Norwich and so many others. 
Somehow I sensed that these ancient writers lived and breathed the spiritual substance these new friends in our little fellowship were seeking so desperately. To be sure, I had encountered many of these writers in academic settings, but that was a detached, cerebral kind of reading. Now I read with different eyes, for daily I was working with heartbreaking, soul-crushing, gut-wrenching human need. These saints, as we sometimes call them, knew God in a way that I clearly did not. They experienced Jesus as the defining reality of their lives. They possessed a flaming vision of God that blinded them to all competing loyalties. They experienced life built on the rock. It hardly mattered who I read in those days, Brother Lawrence's The Practice of the Presence of God, Teresa of Avila's Interior Castle, John Woolman's Journal, A.W. Tozer's The Knowledge of the Holy. They knew God in ways far beyond anything I had ever experienced, or even wanted to experience.